When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Action fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Chad Cruz. And Chad, this time around, we are talking about something that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Absolutely. Hello, Mr. Brain. Thank you for having me once again on your podcast. Oh, it's just mine now? Yep, it's your podcast. When things go wrong, it's your podcast. Well, then, yeah, then it's mine because okay. it seems like something's always going wrong. Something's but, always uh, going down here. But, uh, yeah, man, this is a, this is going to be a fun episode. This is uh, a movie and, and a, a show and, uh, I don't know, just something that has been a part of our lives, my life and your life for so damn long that uh, it, it feels like it's like a, a sibling in a way because it it's, really it's made a huge impact on me and I, I know it has on you as well. And Chad being very vague, of course, we're talking about G.I. Joe. More specifically, we'll be talking about G.I. Joe, the movie from 1987. But before we get into that, I just kind of want to talk about how our love of G.I. Joe started. Uh, For me personally, 1983 was the magic year where all the stars aligned. The first phase in this whole thing was Return of the Jedi came out. Okay. And, uh, you know, at that point in my life, Star Wars action figures were the center of my universe, pretty much. That was the <laughs> toy I was playing with more often than not. These things went everywhere with me. Um, but Return of the Jedi, Boba Fett dies. Darth Vader dies. The Emperor dies. All the villains, all the great villains are gone. Right. And, you know, it's amazing that I continue to play... You know, because there was a lot of gap between those movies, too. It's not like today where they're churning out Star Wars product every other week. Yeah. You had to wait. So you had to use, you know, you know, the most powerful tool in the world, a child's imagination. And and I did it. But I think, you know, that well was starting to run dry because I was getting to the point where Lobot and Bib Fortuna became a new evil uh, force trying to get this ragtag group of villains together. And it it just wasn't working out. They were no match for Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. It's funny with Star Wars, especially with the with the figures, with the action figures back then, is the size of them. They were so much smaller than every other action figure that had been around, and uh, the villains were so much cooler than the heroes. Yeah, you know, like Han and and Luke and Leia. Like, okay, Chewbacca looked cool, but beyond that, they were all just people. They were just human little blonde haired kids. 
but the the villains look badass. I mean, look at Boba Fett. He's got a freaking rocket on his back. And, right. And I mean, it was just so much cooler to, for me, especially to have a dozen stormtrooper figures than it would be to have like basically any of the good guys. Right. And that was the thing. I probably have one or two stormtroopers. It's yeah. not like I had a whole fleet of Imperial people that is like, okay, well, we'll just make this guy the new boss of us. It doesn't matter. I didn't have that. So I was kind of on the hunt for something else to replace that. And that's when my friend at school brought in his Destro action figure. And my world changed forever that day. Uh, because number one, the figures were a little bit cooler because they bent, you know, they had elbows and knees. More articulation, yeah. More articulation and a little bit more, you know, he had all the, Destro had the backpack with the, with the gun in it. And it was just, and he had that silver mask and it just was like nothing I had ever seen before. And it was something I needed to have in my life. And I soon would, and it would start a just years long obsession with picking up as many of these figures as possible and they became my new center of my universe. So right, and and you were what eighty three? You were what twenty nine, thirty? I was just nine. Not oh, 29. nine, nine. Okay. Yeah, my bad. Um, but you were uh, you were kind of right on the edge. You know what I mean? Like I probably played with my GI Joes longer than most kids did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm thirty seven and I still play with them now. Um, <laughs> but but. At the time, they had such, like you said, Destro looked so different, so cool, and they had that they had so many cool accessories. Like I remember, Zartan had all those cool accessories, and uh, you could just like mix and match weapons. You know, with the Darth Vader figure, he had a lightsaber. Like you could, it was just, in, it was built in his yeah, arm. You couldn't <laughs> shove that in someone else's arm. Uh, so with the with the Cobra and the GI Joe figures, you could you could give a crossbow to whoever you wanted, or you could give a little blaster to somebody else. It was just with some badass stuff. Yeah, and it, it was also more reality-based. I mean, obviously, this movie is going to dispel that rumor, but <laughs> it, it was a little bit more. I mean, it was military. It was military stuff, and you could go out in the backyard, and if, even if you didn't have any of the vehicles, right? You had, you had a jungle. You had a desert. You had some mountain to climb. You had something where these Joes could interact and you, you know, basically the world was the GI Joe playset, which was right. awesome as well. And, and being that they were military f- uh, focused uh, and themed, I would play with my GI Joes much like you, you know, th- my imagination was going nuts. And as it got into the later eighties um, and I don't remember when the alien and predator figures came out from, I think Kenner made them, but I had some of those, enough of those to, to be playing with my GI Joes, against a predator in, in my backyard, you know, in the jungle, quote unquote, jungle of my backyard. Um, so any figure that had camouflage, any figure that had a, a boonie cap or a beret or, you know, that was military base like Flint or somebody, uh, man, I couldn't, I couldn't put him down. Yeah. You, you expanded your uh, GI Joe universe there, which I did. is, which is uh, very impressive for a young man. I was way, way, uh, more advanced than MCU and all these douchebags. <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, you know, the other thing about GI Joe and the toys, and I was big into the comic book. And then when the cartoon series started, obviously I was all in on that. Uh, to me, it was the gateway to the Canon movies, uh, like the Delta force, like American Ninja. Right. You know, that really helped bridge that I'm a kid. Now I'm growing into more of a teenager here before my G.I. Joe run is done. 
and you know it was just the perfect segue from okay i'm watching i don't know what the hell i've been watching scooby-doo mysteries and now i'm watching chuck norris blow people up this is <laughs> this is what i needed in my life. with his dirt bike right yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that because if there were any studio out there in the 80s that could have made a G.I. Joe live-action film, I think Canon would have been the one to do it. And we saw him do it with the Masters of the Universe with, with uh, you know, the relative success, I guess, at least in the eyes of some fans, including myself. But um, I would have given anything for a live-action G.I. Joe movie in the 80s. And uh, – I don't know if it would have been as impressive as the cast that you put together. Right. On the website. That's right. I did do a what if. What if Canon made a G.I. Joe movie and used all the the classic Canon stable of stars that I could think of. And uh, yeah, if you want to check that out, if you're a Joe fan and you have not checked that out yet, go to bulletproofaction.com. Uh, you know, and there's something new there each and every day, but. Right. I got that, that Joe post is one of the favorite things I've written in yeah. the, and the I near think, seven years that we've done this site. And it touched a nerve, I think, with a lot of fans that are, you know, around our age that grew up with GHO, that grew up, you know, playing in the backyard. That we went from playing with these action figures to maybe getting some toy plastic guns and running around the backyard shooting at each other. And now we have children of our own and we're like, you know, don't run around with guns, you'll get shot by the cops. So it's like it's a different time now. But but we're able to, you know, you, you made that post and I think it touched the nerve with a lot of our readers and everyone's like, holy shit, that totally could have and should have happened. And I know there's a lot of guys out there who saw your post and, and saw, uh, uh, who was your Dr. Mindbender? Donald Pleasance. They, they just immediately had this visual of Donald Pleasance uh, with no shirt on and like a weird robe and his nipples hanging out. Yeah, I, I did mention in the post that the wardrobe would have to step in on that one. No, we can't do we'd that. Ha- we'd have to do a little creative license there. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing with, with G.I. Joe. That would be way less of a stretch for canon than Masters of the Universe was. Um, yeah, I think could've, that, they could have kept it under budget for sure, even with that impressive cast that I assembled. I bet Donald Pleasance would have had something in his contract that says, I refuse to remove my nipple rings. Well, yeah, he may have. Maybe they could have given him like that fake uh, Ricardo Montalban uh, Wrath of Khan chest. Oh, yeah, that was you know? a good one. So they, they could have done that. Uh, so, yeah, we did not get a movie from Canon, uh, a G.I. Joe movie from Canon in, in the 80s. But we did get our topic of discussion, the animated film, 1987's G.I. Joe the movie. This one released on home video on August 14th, 1987 was originally slated to be in theaters, but I think the Transformer movie uh, not doing as well as they had hoped at the box office the year prior pretty much put the kibosh on uh, G.I. Joe. And actually, G.I. Joe at one point was supposed to be released first, but there was some sort of delay, and that's how Transformers kind of skipped the line and basically sunk any chances of anybody seeing this uh, fine animated feature in the movie theaters, Damn it, anyway. So... I personally saw it on TV on one of the, on the local UHF station here in town. And it was by happenstance. I just happened to check the TV guide. That's a thing back in the day, people. It was an <laughs> actual book that came with like the newspaper, which was also a thing back in the day. Yep. And, uh, you know, you would look at, and I don't know why I was looking at it, but I noticed a two hour block that said GI Joe on a Saturday afternoon, probably like 4 PM or so. 
and I was quite curious about this um, and figured like, well, I better tune in. I'm thinking it was one of the old miniseries, either the mass device or the weather dominator or the pyramid of dark, something like that. Right. And boy, oh boy, I turned it on and saw the greatest animated opening ever. Chad, it is a work of art. It is a thing of beauty. Oh my God. Everything from, uh, well, the animation for one, which is light years better than anything we had seen up to that point. I mean, put on a, a, a season one episode of the show and then watch the opening for, for G.I. Joe the movie and you will be doing backflips. It's, it's so surprising and shocking how good it is. And the music is amazing. Uh, I, just like they, every character you can imagine is in it. It, it's yeah. like the it's like a Rocky montage, but at the very beginning, like if, if Rocky 17 started with just a workout <laughs> montage with amazing music and him ripping his shirt off and just being shredded, like that's what it felt like watching this. You're like, holy shit, like where can we go from here? Because this opening is as good as anything I've ever seen when it comes to G.I. Joe. Yeah, it is character overload. They, like you said, they get as many people represented in there as possible, and it just, yeah, it seems bigger and greater than anything you know you'd ever seen. Because again, we never had a live action. We had the the mini series and the cartoon series and the comic books, but man, this brought it to a whole other level. Um, and also, they had you know some actual name talent doing the uh, some of the voice work. We had Don Johnson, who was huge in the '80s with Miami Vice. He was Lieutenant Falcon. Burgess Meredith, who is just iconic, yeah. and has a voice that is so distinctive. He plays Galobulus. And who do you think they cast for the role of Sergeant Slaughter, Chad? Um, Richard Simmons. No, and not Corporal Kirshner either. It was Sergeant Slaughter himself. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So the movie begins on Cobra Island, uh, the terror drum to be more specific. And yep. we get Serpentor just reading the riot act to his uh, leadership team uh, and just, just browbeating them basically. Yeah. As, as Serpentor is known to do. Right. And, and, you know, anyone unfamiliar with Serpentor, uh, you know, he, he was created by Dr. Mindbender. They, they took DNA from all the world's and history's greatest leaders, shoved it into some sort of, uh, uh, scientific uh, pre-algorithmic algorithm and made this amazing leader named Serpentor who came out and immediately basically became emperor of Cobra uh, and squashed any hopes that Cobra commander would can remain the leader because Serpentor was pretty badass and wasn't afraid to fight people. And Cobra commander was still a big pussy. And, you know, that's also why it's not a surprise when Cobra commander is the one to speak out against yeah. what, uh, you know, he's pointing the finger right back at Serpentor. It's like, well, you know, you're the you're the emperor. You're the great leader. It's your fault. Right. Uh, and he's thinking, OK, uh, I'm I'm rallying the troops behind me, but that doesn't quite happen. And everybody else in the room, you got Baroness and Dr. Mindbender and Destro and the Crimson Twins. They all throw uh, old Cobra Commander under the bus. Yeah, he thought his homies would back him up here. And uh, it's actually the opposite, because I think even at this point, People were getting sick and tired and, you know, and Destro and Cobra Commander have always kind of had this uh, head and rivalry kind of thing going for a long time. And and this movie really uh, it kind of jumps out immediately and, and tells you that uh, it's not going to be a happy family here because 
everybody just starts calling him names, saying he's a coward, and and Destro calls him a a world class buffoon. Uh, as only Destro can. Yeah, Destro. You you think it back to the Mass Device uh, miniseries. Destro pissed off that he had to climb that mountain to get to the to Cobra hideout or temple, I believe it was called. Yep. And he just like melodramatic. You know, he was just very, he hated this melodramatic location. And then the the but the best for me was when he called him the reptilian Poppin J. <laughs> that's a it's a great insult and i it, it only works for cobra commander like i want to right. go up to somebody and say you reptilian pop and jay but it would make zero <laughs> sense yeah i mean uh, it would still be funny because the the you're so confused by that you're like what, uh, what right yeah that would be a good, if, you, if you like just needed to get out of a situation like, yeah leave somebody stunned for a moment that you can run to your car or get out of the room or something well you're a reptilian pop and jay yeah, and they'll be stunned, and you can go about your business. I it sounds like something that, after Tarzan went back to like Victorian England, and he like learned some manners. <laughs> that's like what he would call you, because he's got like a little bit of the the jungle and Victorian. I like England. it. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, Joe Lara. Okay, yes. uh, let's let's move on to so why all this is going on? Why yeah. we're having this uh, meeting of the minds of Cobra? We have an intruder alert, and this intruder is a, is a mysterious figure, uh, hooded figure using these organic weapons, I guess we would call them, uh, and Cobra Commander decides, hey, you know, I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to lead the charge. We're going to get this intruder, but secretly, Chad, he, he's hoping this intruder's there to kill Serpentor. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of see it working through his little visored helmet in his mind, you know, oh, there's an intruder. Uh, maybe they're coming to kill Serpentor. We have to, we have to get to them before they do. Follow me. I'll lead you the way. You're like, you can pretty cl- clearly tell that he uh, has no desire to stop the intruder, uh, nor any attempted assassination. Um, but which is great because at some point they they turn a corner and he kind of sees the intruder out of the corner of his his. Uh, reptilian pop and J.I. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he goes the opposite direction. No, not that way, this way. So yeah, it's, it's clear that the intruder, if, if they do make it into the uh, Serpentor's little, his little uh, lair, that uh, Cobra Commander has no intention of stopping him. And I like that there were so many of them that they legitimately could have just split up. And like, you <laughs> no, know, you never you split up, right? It's well, like you could have covered a lot of area. And like they had, they're in the, the Terradrome. They should have full. Right. Horses, but you know, obviously. and the teradrome not difficult to break in to, uh, and and the uh, the intruder, uh, we don't know her name, we don't know their name yet, or who it is, or whatever. But she's they're using these organic weapons, like you said. There's like some snake shit that they're throwing out, and uh, there's like a big blob that she's riding around in, and, and yeah, uh, the, the starfish to the face, starfishes to the face, and the crazy fingernails, like the. Guinness world record fingernail situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty cool. I was like questioning when I was rewatching, I'm like, all right, so they threw the little snake thing. Cause there's electric fence. Cause she's like, Oh, I can't get through this fence. And then she cuts through like 12 inch thick steel <laughs> with her fingernails. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that kind of goes with the tradition of the, I think I, I had mentioned to you once that uh, they, they drove, some of those like ATVs, the Cobra ATVs through yeah. a wall, but then a wooden chair got thrown in front of a t- <laughs> tire and they just like wipe out and flip over. Yeah. And it's like, 
you guys just two seconds ago drove through a right. whole wall and now a wooden chair is going to, but you know. And that's, that's always been one of my favorite things in movies is watching what people will hide behind when they're in shootouts <laughs> and they like flip a table and they get behind a little table, like a card table or something. And I'm like, that, that, I don't think that that little tiny table would stop bullets, but whatever. Or, or like a sofa. Guys always jump behind a sofa. Right. Uh, yeah. Or, or sometimes they pull another body in front of them, and sometimes that body could absorb every bullet, and other times the yes. bullet goes right through that body and into the other person. So yeah, I've seen that, yeah. You you never know. I guess it depends on the, the caliber of the weapon or the yes. distance or the, I don't know. That, Luck. That's science. Luck. It could As be, luck yeah. Luck would have it, yeah. So this intruder uh, does reveal herself. She does make it to Serpentor, and it is Pythona. Mm. And she comes from a place known as Cobra La, which we'll learn more about as the movie progresses. But she is there specifically to let Dest- or Destro, Serpentor, know his destiny is to procure a device known as the Broadcast Energy Transmitter, or BET for those in the know. Uh, and once she plants this little thought in Serpentor's head, he has tunnel vision, Chad. Oh, yeah. I think he's partially just a little attracted to Pythona because when she kind of disrobes herself, it's kind of in a sexy way. You know, she's got like this. She's not wearing any clothes. She's just got a robe on and she's got like uh, some, some sort of skin. Uh, yeah. It's like a like bodysuit, like body a suit, right? snake yeah. bodysuit. And just so you know, I'm writing notes down as we're doing this of uh, – potential uh pornographic film titles so i think Py- pythona would be good and w- instead of mass device ass device yes so these perfect. are yeah these are gi joe themed pornos but yeah i'm just gonna write those down so if you come up with one let me know um but uh, yeah she she lets him know like hey it's your destiny to to get this bet and there's this cobra law place blah 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 but that the, the whole point is she is not an enemy she is an ally especially to serpentor and two, they're going to go after this BET. What is a BET? Well, I think that we're about to find out. Yes, because who is testing this billion-dollar device but our good friends, the G.I. Joes, and they're doing so in the Himalayas. I don't know yeah, why, why exactly, but why not exactly? So apparently this thing is going to be the solution to the world's energy crisis because it could just summon energy from thin air. And what does it run on? I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, you know, the, I don't think they explained that. The one thing <laughs> I did note on here was just nice to see that they had Quick Kick, who's in the snowy terrain of the Himalayas, wearing boots and a coat. Because when we first are introduced yeah. to Quick Kick, uh, he's in the snow and barefoot, basically bare-chested, um, and, and just uh, it didn't make any sense to me. And he was an actor. And I have to believe SAG would have stepped in on this commercial shoot and said, hey, this guy's going to get frostbite and die. Yes. And yeah. we don't want to pay his insurance bills. For and this. that's so, probably what happened. You're probably right on that one. So they're testing this out, but, you know, it doesn't go easy because here comes Serpentor and his Cobra forces because, again, he, Pythona wants him to get this thing. He's going to get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we get some Duke and Serpentor action. Uh, briefly uh and then this billion dollar device duke just basically does he like monkey flip yeah he does like a monkey flip he just like launches him uh and it's a full-on attack by cobra like they they don't waste any time kind of going after this thing um you get to see all the you know dreadnoughts and and 
Destro. You get to see everybody, even Cobra Commander's there pretending that he wants to be successful. Um, but yeah, Serpentor gets monkey flipped into this BET and it zaps him, you know, and right. we see the energy drained out of him by the electrocution. Yeah, it kind of um, it takes him out so that he's yeah. easy pickings to capture. Yeah, they capture him, and then uh, the 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 second in command now, who is now the or the second in command now becomes the leader, which is Cobra Commander. Absolutely, he assumes control, that. and he says, "You know, and you you mentioned something with the, you see everybody, and that is true because I think Firefly is driving the stun. Yes, that Cobra Commander is in where normally on the on a normal episode it would just be generic." stun driver or or something but they like try to i mean i think that's the only thing firefly does this whole movie but it was nice to see him in right and it's funny because i mentioned to you before that i was going to watch this movie with my son who who is about to turn seven and he's uh he's he's getting more and more into gi joe uh because of me um over the last probably six months or so so i've been talking up this movie like crazy uh in recent weeks and uh, he noticed Firefly because we'd seen Firefly in an episode of the, of the series and he looked badass. You know what I mean? He's basically a ninja in camouflage who throws right. bombs around. <laughs> so uh, Firefly instantly became one of his favorites because he's a kid and he loves ninjas. So when he saw Firefly, he was like, ooh, was that who I think it was? And I was like, it was. Sadly, that's the last we see of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did, did not get a lot of screen time, but nice that they worked him in uh, yeah. as they did. So. And as you mentioned, Cobra Commander takes control. Um, instead of going after Serpentor, he's like, no, we got to retreat. I, I can lead us to Sanctuary, though. Um, and that Sanctuary is going to end up being Cobra Law. And yes. we'll get into that. But Duke, who now has got to kind of split the, the Joe team, because somebody's got to go back and take Serpentor back to the, the base and lock him up. But they know Cobra's not done with them. So... Duke gets Roblox to get together uh, a team and go after the Cobra commander and all the Cobra guys that were left. And uh, unfortunately for Roadblock, he follows Cobra commander and all the Cobras right into this strange world known as Cobra law. Yeah. And, and we're going to learn more and more about Cobra law as the movie goes on. And, not always good things about it, but it is different, uh, especially in the world of GI Joe. I mean, it's, I mean, did we need like a, another tier of villains? Probably not. Um, but it's here. So it's like this, like we kind of like Pythona had these organic weapons. Cobra law is very much like, a, I don't know, like a Jurassic kind of looking place where everything is these huge ass, trees that are alive and um massive insects and, and all kinds of weird shit going on and when roblox and his team when you know they're going on a, a counterattack of the retreating cobra guys which is smart in a, in a tactical sense but they just kind of like rush in with no strategy whatsoever mm-hmm. and uh and roblox and his boys come face to face with a kind of the new big bad, not, not in the sense that he's like the brains behind the operation, but he's certainly the brawn and uh, he's got a cool name. It's a nemesis enforcer. Oh, and he is a great character as far as just coolness. Yes. But a horrible, horrible action figure due to the scale. Yeah. It's kind of hard, you know, in the, sh- in the movie, he's, he's a big son of a bitch and he beats the shit out of people. Cause he's so strong and he's like bear hugging people and, 
he basically just like squashes everybody who comes around him. And you know what I mean? He's beating up guys like roadblock. Like he's not beating up like, you know, lifeline or whatever. He's beating <laughs> up the, the main guys, the big strong dudes. So they were pushing him to the moon. Um, but when it came to making an action figure, they, they kind of botched it. They certainly did. And uh, so roadblock and his crew all get uh, taken prisoner. And speaking of prisoner, we still have Serpentor, who has been taken prisoner by G.I. Yes. Joe, but Pythona steps in and uh, gets Zartan and the Dreadnoughts uh, to go rescue him. And at first they're kind of resistant, but I think she had some, it was a huge jewel of some sort. Yes. Something to, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, greedy bastards. They're mercenaries. Uh, yeah, they certainly are. So they saw the payoff and they're like, yep, we'll go get them. No problem. So now, though, we have we have a problem back at the Joe base because right. Roadblock and his team, they haven't heard from them because they're captured. So we have to further split off the team. And now it's Flint who takes some some guys to go look for the team led by Roadblock. And this also opens the door, though. You know, they're like, we, we might have to bring in these new recruits we have sooner than expected. And we get a whole like montage type situation uh, with the the introduction of the Rawhides. Yeah, we get a trading sequence. Um, Beachhead, who is a really cool character, uh, one of my favorite action figures as a kid, um, training the the Rawhides. Who Tunnel Rat, Jinx, Chuckles, Big Lob, and a Law and Order character who's like a dude and his dog. Right. Um, they are various levels of coolness. Uh, but, you know, of course, like a G.I. Joe, every other G.I. Joe, they all have their own little gimmick. So when we kind of watch this training sequence, um, a couple of things will come through your mind, I think, as they did mine, is, uh, wow, these are very intricate uh, obstacle courses, uh, very expensive looking, especially when they pretty much get destroyed every time they use them, and very dangerous. Yeah. You will die if you make a mistake on a GI Joe. You literally before. die. It's like American Ninja Warrior, but there's like bamboo spikes at the bottom, and instead of falling in water, you just fall in uh, a giant uh, explosive thing. Explosive. <laughs> Liquid hot you. magma or something. <laughs> Liquid hot magma. <laughs> so you, yeah, they they have a a killer obstacle course, literally. Oh yeah. And we also, you know, there's an exercise where they have to find a bomb hidden in a village. Yes. And it's a real bomb. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's a little bit uh, out there. And then we see some maneuvers against the Hiss tank, which is, a, you know, a classic Cobra uh, weapon. And Chuckles throws a missile yeah. at Hiss tank. A which real is missile. A, at a real Hiss tank, too. Yeah. Those are expensive I, pieces of equipment. Yeah. You know, I think the military budget must have been much higher in the eighties than it is today. Yeah. Reagan was pumping him full of money, man. <laughs> he, he's, he was getting ready for something. We also learned that Jinx can only fight when she's blindfolded, which, which is, is hot. It's kind of sexy. Interesting quirk. Um, yep. And we also find out there's another rawhide. It just, he's AWOL and his name is Lieutenant Falcon. And again, that is who uh, the character voiced by Don Johnson yeah, and and we get to see why Don Johnson, aka Lieutenant Falcon, was not training because uh, he's making some time with a very lovely lady, Chad. Yes, he's very horny. That's the first <laughs> thing we learn about him, and he has no military discipline whatsoever. So he's he's got a, a hot blonde Southern belle, uh, and he's like showing her around the the Joe base, 
which is already not, it's a big no, no, it's a restricted area. And as he's in there trying to get her all, you know, moistened yeah, trying, up, moistened he's up. He's trying to get in her restricted areas. He's think. trying to get in her restricted area, her vagina. Um, Thank you. And, or, and or butthole. Uh, but he, <laughs> he gets cock blocked by Duke when Duke walks in and basically puts the kibosh on all that and starts, you know, like, Oh, look at me. I'm going to treat you like you're less than me. Um, which we will learn why that is now, you know, here, here in a, in a few minutes, I think. Yeah. So he, Duke says, okay, you're get this lady out of here. Yeah. He has no business being here and you Falcon, you're on guard duty until further notice. You know, and this is a big, you know, that's a, still a big responsibility because they have like the most high profile <laughs> prisoner they've ever had. They have the emperor right. of this ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, in their, their stockades, I guess. Um, he disciplines him by giving him the most responsibility possible. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's an interesting uh, yeah. parenting tactic, management tactic. I don't right. know what we're doing there. Uh so we find out that the blonde was not just some Southern belle that yeah. old Falcon picked up at the do drop in, but it was instead <laughs> Zorana. And you know, this is a common trope in yes. the G.I. Joe series that, that both Zorana and the Baroness, much like Zartan, masters yes. of the size. Zorana and the Baroness are, they thirst trap the shit out of the G.I. Joes. <laughs> Every episode is Baroness or Zorana dressing up like something, a cowgirl or a, a freaking uh, a hot carny or something. And they're always luring in the horny G.I. Joes uh, and getting information from them. So it works again. So kudos to, to Zorana for having a, a hot ass. Sounds like it could be a, obviously a setup for some of the scenes in those movies you're working on. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to write that down. Um, <laughs> I just need a good title. So, so Zorana, when she was there, got all the intel that was going to be needed to spring Serpentor. Oh, yeah. She got but some intel on Falcon, all right. She sure did. So Falcon, though, even though he, he's been assigned this guard duty, he doesn't care. And his hormones are continuing to work overtime. But since he can't get the hot blonde, he decides to go sexually harass Jinx. And she's working on a, one of the tomahawk choppers, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is another odd scene with Falcon. Yeah. She's also apparently a mechanic of some kind. So uh, she's a ninja. Uh, She likes being blindfolded and tied up and she liked the tied up part I made up Um, and she's a mechanic. So she will also accept any level of sexual harassment. (laughs) So Falcon goes from uh, dereliction of duty. He's a wall. He's leading people into restricted areas. Now he's sexually harassing women in the yeah. workplace. Um, and we get a great conversation between, between Falcon and, and Jinx because she's like, you're supposed to be guarding Serpentor. It's kind of a big deal. And he's like, Oh, baloney. Like there's no way anybody could bust in and get Serpentor out. First they'd have to do this. Then they'd have to do this. Then they'd have to do this. And all the while that he's talking, Zartan and the rest of the guys are actually doing all these things. Right. So he's it's kind of a funny scene. Yeah. He's basically narrating yeah. the actions of our, of our villains who actually are going to get one over on the Joes. Yeah, um, they do here because they do in fact get Serpentor out. 
Now, when General Hawk hears about this, oh. he is livid. Right. And, uh, Lieutenant Falcon, rightfully so, is about to face a court martial. Uh, Duke, though, this is you had kind of mentioned this earlier, hinted at it. Duke reveals that Falcon is his half brother and believes he's worth saving, and uh, yeah. that kind of makes General Hawk take a moment to pause and, and confer with with the other members of the panel there. And while that's going on, we cut back to Cobra Law, and we meet the Supreme Leader. Like you said, we now have an additional level of evil here, and it is yeah. the Lobulus, who is another horrible action figure. What the <laughs> hell are you supposed to do with this thing? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's like one of those action figures that came like on a throne or something. Like it came on a seat, and you couldn't unseat it. You know, like who wants an action figure that can't freaking move? Essentially, right. Um, and-, and Galobulus isn't the kind of guy who's like going to lead a charge or he's not nemesis enforcer. You know what I mean? So, and he's basically got a big ass snake body, like his bottom half. He's like a mermaid, but a man with a snake. Right. Perfect. Perfect explanation. Which could also be in this series that I'm working on. Okay. Write that down as well. Uh, And and Galobulus kind of, now we get a little bit of backstory about Cobra law and some, backstory about Cobra Commander that is, doesn't really make sense in the grand uh. scheme of things. But first things first, Galobulus is the man who implanted the Serpentor idea right. in Dr. Mindbender's brain, which does tie back into the Arise, Serpentor Arise uh, miniseries because yeah, Doctor, right. it came to Dr. Mindbender in a dream. So a this dream. Is, is believable. That- it is a cool, it's a cool uh, kind of throwback to the episode, but Dr. Mindbender's like, hold on, dude. Wait a second, bro. <laughs> like I came up with this. I did five episodes worth of work on this dude, yeah. putting his shit together and fighting people and stealing DNA from Alexander the Great and what have you. Um, so he's not a big fan of the idea that it, it wasn't his idea. But yeah, I mean, it's a cool little throwback, but it's it's definitely better than the Cobra Commander gimmick that we got. Yeah, because Cobra Commander, we find out, was a member of this this uh, society, this civilization known as yeah. Cobra Law, many, many years ago, uh, possibly 40,000? 40, 40, I'm wondering if they don't, you know, to them, it's like, how many, one year has passed? Oh, that's like 30,000 Cobra Law years. Could be. <laughs> that, that would make, then that would at least know. make some sense. Uh <laughs> Yeah, so Cobra Commander was a scientist uh, in, in Cobra Law, and the, a lab accident turned him into some grotesque type creature, which yeah. is why he wears the the hood or the the helmet. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, maybe because he didn't sue Cobra Law, he was chosen to uh, <laughs> go out into the world and basically destroy human civilization because Cobra Law uses all these organic weapons and organic yeah. technology and where, you know, the rest of the world is obviously you know, changed using machines and right. using, you know, non-organic materials to, to do and advance the world. Um, and apparently this pisses off Galobulus and that's why they're kind of hiding out in the Himalayas under this ice dome, just biding their time waiting to one day destroy human civilization. And they chose Cobra commander to do that job. Um, 
And obviously that has not happened. It was a a bad choice. I, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Canon Captain America film where we learn about Red Skull and that all these things throughout history, like he's been behind them, all these assassinations and all these different plots. And I always thought that was really cool in the movie. They're like, oh, he was like behind the scenes and kind of pulling strings in all these different decades. And I always thought that was pretty neat. So it would be kind of funny to see like, uh, you know, they're like Cobra Commander has been out there trying to kind of build this army of people to take over Earth or to take over kind of human civilization. And here are the times he did it. And it's like him with like a, a like a medieval kind of helm on so you can't see his face. And then him with like a freaking KKK hood or something. You know what I mean? Like he's got different like hooded right. things on because he's got to hide his face. You remember how uh, the Wolverine movie kind of did that where they're fighting throughout history. Yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, Cobra Commander is always retreating. He just sucks. He, he he's a master of retreat for he sure. Um, we also find out what Globulus needs this BET for, which again, it's kind of ironic that he needs this advanced human technology to take care of his plan. But uh, basically what he needs, they're, they're going to shoot these spores into space and then the, the BET would heat them up to the point where they would become active and they would rain down on earth and turn everybody into beasts. Yeah. And only those under the Cobra law ice dome will be safe. Yeah. So that's his plan. And uh, yeah, so this is how he would just basically set human, you know, mankind back so they could be easily conquered. I would imagine if they were just mindless fools. Right. Um, and we find out we get we get an example of what these spores could do because Cobra Commander is basically put on trial for being a coward and failing every chance he got, even over forty five. Like, why didn't you just replace him? Like, why did it right. take forty thousand years, well, Colobulus? It's on you, yeah. buddy. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah, fool me once, right? I got the saying in Texas. It's the same in Tennessee, I bet. <laughs> so. So, yeah, Cobra Commander gets some spores to his face. And next thing you know, he is becoming an actual Cobra, slowly but surely. Yeah. Uh, do you think and as you Cobra said, Commander, <laughs> do you think that Cobra Commander was sent back 40,000 years ago? Or was he sent back like five years ago? I, I don't know. This whole timeline is really screwing with my head. Okay. He was a man. I know that. And we hear that about yeah. 9,015 times. Yeah. He he's progresses slowly mutated into this gigantic snake and he's just annoying as shit. And at some point you're like, someone strangle this thing. <laughs> so, but Serpentor has a great idea because Galobulus is like, just throw that dude in the <laughs> abyss of doom or whatever they right, call it. Right. You know? And Serpentor is like, nah, bro, check this out. We're going to put Snake Dude in with the Joe prisoners so they can see what their future is like, which yeah. is a pretty, that's a cool, you know, that's pretty mean, right? That's like, yeah, a, that, that's mind games. Right that's there. brutal mind games. So, yeah, so they, they go to shove uh, Cobra Commander's little snake body in there. And uh, I don't know if it happens right away, but some shit's about to go down. Well, yeah, we cut back to the Falcons court martial first. Uh, you know, they, they kind of bounce back and forth between yeah. the stories here. 
and Hawk has decided that Falcon needs to report to the slaughterhouse, yeah. uh, which I'm is gonna not. That, uh, I'm going to write that down too. <laughs> <laughs> which is not like a, a the slaughterhouse you would think. This is where Sergeant Slaughter whips people into shape, and specifically in this case, the Renegades, or I believe as they're known in the action figure form, the Marauders. Uh, but we look, we meet uh, three new characters. There's Mercer who is a former Cobra Viper who defected. And we have Taurus, who is like a circus strongman, who uh, yep. just, that, I don't know why he's there. And then you have Red Dog, who may have been like a, a football player. Yeah, uh, he's got some sort of like, jersey or whatever on. It may have been a, maybe a necessary roughness uh, do they, got him kicked yeah. out. <laughs> do, they, do they ever mention the Mercer was a former Viper, or is that just from your knowledge of? No, they did. They did. Because okay. he even has like uh, almost a Viper uniform, but yeah. the Cobra has like the Ghostbuster gimmick. Right, like the, the slash through it, and I always liked it. I always liked uh, that idea of a character like he's he was a viper, kind of like you know when like uh, Star Wars did the whole Finn was a right yeah. stormtrooper. It's a cool idea, right? And it, it's it's logical. It's like at yeah. some point somebody is going to defect. Somebody's right. going to be like, "Whoa, this ain't for me." Like I was okay at first, or maybe I didn't know exactly what I was signing right. up for. Or okay, we did this and this, and I was okay with like, whoa, where that's that's the line. You I found would say, my line. I would put money on Falcon defecting if Zorana and Baroness were like, hey, oh yeah, little uh, three way action. He'd be like, they, yep, they couldn't. Yeah, I, you've got your. This movie is going to write itself by the time we're done with this <laughs> podcast. Uh, not that it takes much. Uh, <laughs> not a lot. Not a big script. No, it's not. It, it's a lot of uh, improv. So. Yeah, now let's go back to old Cobra Law, and uh, they're about to put uh, Cobra Commander, who is again slowly but surely turning into a snake, yes, into the into the uh, cell with the the Joes. But the Joes are like, okay, let's wait, 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 and boom, they use this as an attempt to escape, but it fails miserably, and. We get major characters that we've yeah. seen throughout the series: Lady J, Snake Eyes, Quick Kick, Shipwreck. All of these, they just get sucked up and in, in, in put into like cocoons. Which I wondered why they didn't just put these people in cocoons to begin with, and why right. do you even have a cell b- made? But whatever. Yeah, I get it. It's the story. Now, Cobra Commander of all people, though, stops Roadblock from meeting that same fate, and we now get this strange uh, team up between these two yeah roadblock uh during the escape or the attempted escape is he's blinded so he's like ah shit i can't see and cobra commander is turning into a snake so he's really not able to do much of anything so uh he uh, essentially is is cobra or he is the eyes for roadblock and roadblock is the rest of the body he's running around and trying to escape so cobra commander has knowledge of cobra law so he's like, don't go that way because you're going to get sucked up by a freaking giant uh, <laughs> giant plant or some shit. Right. Um, and they end up uh, getting away from Cobra Law kind of just in time. Um, and that's yeah. kind of when Cobra Commander starts just complaining and going on and on about, I was once a man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's kind of wrapped around Roadblock. He's almost like Yoda on the back of Luke Skywalker. It looks kind of cool, actually. And what it looks even cooler when uh you know it's like freezing cold out because they're in the Himalayas, and Roblox is like shivering and he's kind of using the snake body like to to kind of warm himself. I guess I don't know. I guess so. 
Yeah. The cold-blooded snake warms you up. <laughs> Must not have worked very well. I don't know. I don't know. But. Yeah. So Falcon uh, is now at the slaughterhouse. He has a rude introduction by his fellow renegades, and uh, they basically make him walk, I don't know, miles and miles and miles to get to whatever shack they're working. There's was like a kind of a – it's an interesting little setup. It was like a plane and – wasn't it? Didn't they have a whole like, yeah, like decommissioned vehicles I, all put yeah. together? It was probably meant to be some awesome toy that right. they could sell, but obviously, I don't think I, that it. I feel out. like they're just like, uh, well, we don't really have a facility for you, Sergeant Slaughter. He's like, whatever. I'll just go back here and use all this shit. <laughs> I'll just go to the army <laughs> graveyard. Yes, take whatever I need. Uh, and, and it's funny because. Uh, Slaughter was he on the phone with uh, General Hawk, I believe. I believe so. And and Hawk's like, all right, we need to infiltrate the terror drone again. Yeah. Um, and when Slaughter goes to to the Marauders or to the Renegades, and it's like, hey, here's what's about to go down. Falcon, you know, being a being a smartass, essentially, it was like, we should do it without weapons. Yeah. And they go ahead and do it. They're like, that's a great idea. Oh uh, yeah, let's go to the our <laughs> enemy stronghold. Yes. Their backyard, where they should have as more, we're already going to be outnumbered greatly, and yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it it does remind me of the old Vince McMahon stories where somebody in a creative meeting would say something ridiculous. I think the Spirit Squad may have started that way. Somebody was just joking about male cheerleaders, and like two <laughs> weeks later on Raw, we have five male cheerleaders forming the Spirit Squad. So you have to be careful what you joke about with Vince right. McMahon. And apparently you have to be careful when talking, when joking with Sergeant Slaughter as well. Cause it must've, yeah, it must've rubbed off on him. Must have. They were, they did work together for quite some time. I'll write that uh, down this too. is where we also get uh, Sergeant Slaughter and Nemesis Enforcer going at it, which is, you know, kind of a, a dream matchup. Yeah. As you see this huge, you're like, okay, is there any, ju- you know, cause like you said, he took out roadblock. Uh, nemesis enforcer so it's like who is there anyone it's like oh maybe sergeant slaughter because right he's a beast in in the in the cartoon yeah and we've also seen nemesis enforcer uh he's already kind of shown off some skills a couple of times you know he whooped the ass of roadblock and those guys and then when they went into uh to rescue serpentor he he was pretty much like doing everything you know he's he's using his giant uh forearm blades to like open doors and shit and then he was using his giant wings to like block lasers and things. So, so he's got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of tools. So um, if there's one guy you thought that could have taken him down, uh, it's Sergeant Slaughter. It doesn't go well for him. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the first round doesn't, doesn't end well for Sergeant Slaughter, but I had a feeling that we would see this rematch before the end. Yeah. Um, Speaking of rematches, Cobra is going to try again to get the BET. And now they have not only the regular Cobra forces, they have the Cobra Law forces and a new war cry of Cobra. La, 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 la. <laughs> yes. Which is as ridiculous as it just sounded coming out of my mouth. It's uh, bad. And we also, there's giant worms. There's jizz shooting flying insects. Yep. Uh, That's going in my movie too. <laughs> and... Well, yeah, usually you have to have a giant worm to be in one of those movies. So, 
uh, yeah. What I yeah. wanted to say here was, why didn't Cobra Commander have use of these giant worms the whole forty thousand years he's been <laughs> running the show? Like, I don't know, because Cobra La comes out swinging. I mean, they come out. They like you said, they got these big ass worms, and they got the little they got little guys like firing their little loads at people and wrapping them up and stuff. And it, it, it's weird. And it kind of goes along with their whole gimmick, I guess. Uh, but it's, it's creepy is what it is. And you watch it. It's it. What I didn't like was the guy who's doing the, the like it's uh, I believe it was Serpentor. Yeah. He did it first. I'm like, he may have been the only one to do it in the movie. I know. If I were like one of the guys from Cobra Law, I'd be like, come on, man. You've been here for five minutes. <laughs> right. It's you're like right. You're, he's adopting their their culture. It's cultural appropriation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Cancel yes, it. Is. Uh, so Sergeant Slaughter, Falcon, and the Renegades happen to show up as well. And that kind of helps because it's not looking good for the Joe team until they show up. Right. It kind of turns the tide a bit for, for a brief moment. For a brief moment, but we're about to get – Joe's are about to get a, just kicked to the balls right here because Duke and Serpentor going head-to-head. Yeah. And Serpentor, and this always bothered me, was the the snakes on his shoulder that seemed to be somehow be alive. Uh, yeah. I don't know where they began and ended. Um, well, I guess I know where they ended, the heads. But, <laughs> but he could take them off and they could become like spears – uh, but then they would just reproduce like a tapeworm on his shoulder. Uh, but he throws one of these snake spears and it goes right into the heart of Duke. And in the original script, Duke died. Right yeah. There. Uh, they did end up changing it again, the going back to the Transformers movie from the year prior when they killed off Optimus Prime, people were pissed. Um, and, and if you can, I mean, if you're getting pissed that you killed a robot, Killing a human is probably really right. going to raise some red flags with parents and children. Yeah, oh. and I, I didn't Duke jump in front of Falcon to take to he did yeah he to did. protect Falcon. He took the the snake to the to the chest. He took the uh, like yeah, the, the tit shot. Spear. Yeah, the titch. There you go. The tit shot. Write that down. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it when you watch it, you're they're like he's in a coma. But it's pretty clear based on the animation that dude died. Right. Uh, We're doing everything we can as they just all stand around and watch him bleed out. They just kind of like, yeah, they just whine. There was no no sense of urgency at all. They, right. you know, yeah, th- their words and their actions did not uh, match up. No, and it's it's you know, in situations like that, it's all about staying calm. You know what I mean? You got you can't let your emotions get the better well, of you. Well, they definitely did that. They were calm in the, but they didn't do anything. They're all just in there crying. Yeah, that's true. You got to get to work. Be a pro. Come on, Falcon. And and Falcon does step in and, and promises Duke he's going to make him proud. This is kind of the the slap in the face, I guess, that Falcon needed the wake up call. Like, hey, you, you know, you got to take this stuff seriously. This is not right. the, this is not the grab ass with Jinx in the uh, motor pool. Um, so. If that's not bad enough, Cobra also has the BET. So now Man. this evil spore plan can happen. Damn it. Cobra so, is doing well in this movie. They, yeah. I think you know, having Cobra Law on their side, that's it's really kind of uh, pushed them over the edge. 
Yeah, and it kind of pushed me over the edge because, again, as I said at the start of our show, one of the great things was how G.I. Joe was basically reality-based. Obviously, they had ridiculous things throughout, but, I mean, right? you can uh, – yeah, I guess I could believe there's a weather dominator. I don't know. They're not really, but I'll go with it. I, if you start Googling shit about controlling weather, you may find some reliable might, yeah. information out there. You, you, you might. You might. So – I mean, yeah, that was a bit far-fetched, but that was more like, let's just go over the top with something. Right. This Cobra Law and these jizz-shooting things and these giant worms and yeah. people with mermaid bodies. Uh, yeah, that's... It, you know, for me, I was already getting... You know, I was what, 13 when this right. came out. So I was already like, oh, yeah, this is kind of in my rearview mirror a little bit. It, Some of it sparked the love back, like like that opening was like, oh my god, yes, this is what I needed four years ago. Um, but then this, I was like, it was, it was really, I was, I was torn. It was a tale of two movies for me, I guess. Right, and it's funny because uh, you could some of this would play in a Star Wars film because you could be like, they're from a planet where everybody has right uh, a snake's ass, like you know, the globulus <laughs> basically has the bottom half of a snake, like. In another planet, that 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 plays, but here on Earth, I'm sorry, you just can't be like, well, we've been around for like fifty thousand years. Like, yeah. we really? just haven't we haven't fully evolved. You just been hiding. Come on, bro. Right. So now we get the uh, the Flint rescue team. Yes. And uh, I know you 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 have a line you love about this this scene here where Roadblock and Cobra Commander basically stumble down a mountain and uh, land right on the lap of Flint and his team. Yeah, they basically just like collapse into Flint's little makeshift uh, campsite, which they're just doing nothing. They're like <laughs> hanging around, uh, they're supposedly searching for Roadblock's team, but they're just kind of hanging out in the in the, in the snow. Um, was it was a snow job? It sure was. Yeah, blowjob and Flint are hanging out in the snow, and Roadblock and Cobra Commander just stumble into this camp, and he's like, "Some rescue team we turned out to be. Roadblock found us." <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, dude, you sucked. Like, you literally spent the entire movie wandering around in the snow on your little snow thingy, on your little uh, doom buggy or whatever it was, uh, and everyone else is literally getting stabbed with cobras." And getting the shit kicked out of him by Nemesis Enforcer. Yeah, so we we now have full the Joes are at full capacity, or minus Duke, obviously. Um, and, and all the guys still captive. In and all the yeah, Cobra that's Law. true. Yeah. yeah, as many as there were available, all yes. all hands on deck yeah. were there. Uh, and fortunately, while Cobra Commander is now he's a he's a full on Cobra. He oh, can yeah, still he's... talk though. At this point, I believe, but he's a full-on Cobra, and he takes him through a Cobra Law back door. Right, right. He's he's going to lead him in a way that they won't get captured by giant plants, uh, which is you know that's beneficial. Uh, but we also we forgot to mention that the uh, the the rawhides they weren't allowed to come on this mission, but they came anyway. But they yeah, Jinx fixed a a plane or whatever a helicopter. It was the tomahawk again. Yeah, the I think it was the one she was working on. So. Which is great because I had one of those toys, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, it was. She fixed the tomahawk, and Chuckles has to ride on top. <laughs> it's just with so the, with the rotors right there. Yeah. Yes, that, it's that, so either, dumb. Either you would die, or you definitely would probably go deaf. 
He's like the worst close. character in the movie. Yeah, he's bad. He, his his figure looked like uh, it was 420 at all times. His shirt's cool, though. I like his, his shirt. I know you do. And yeah. If anybody's looking to uh, get uh, Chad a gift anytime yes. soon, if you can find a replica Chuckle shirt, yep. uh, hit him up on uh, Twitter at Chad Cruz. Yeah, I will wear that shit every day for a month if someone buys it for me. I'm sure your immediate family will love that. Um, so this sets up the final battle. This yep. is what we've been waiting for. We got the Joes inside Cobra Law. We get some great matchups. We get Falcon and Serpentor. Obviously, Falcon trying to avenge what happened to his brother, or half-brother, as it were. Yep. And Cobra Commander, who now, now he's a Cobra and he can't even talk. No. He I makes don't. the amazing save here. Uh, and Serpentor... Is no calls him Cobra Commander, even though he's just a snake. I love that part. Uh, yeah, as well. yeah. He he apparently knew that that was Cobra Commander, but yeah, at this point, it kind of makes sense that Cobra Commander is he's is he helping the Joes or is he just trying to hurt Serpentor and Cobra yeah, Law? Because yeah, yeah, he has a vendetta against him, so it, it makes sense that he would try to affect the fight in some way. And and like you said, we we're also going to get a uh, Jinx and Pythona, right? And then uh, Slaughter versus Nemesis Enforcer. So yeah, they they pair everybody up, you know, all the the great, you know, and th- this tells you why Jinx was kind of a key character because you needed the 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 female battle, right? You have the big guy battle, and you got the kind of the main main event players, uh, because once Falcon eliminates Serpentor, he turns his wrath towards Galobulus, who, again, is not using a stopwatch, doesn't have his phone uh, app. <laughs> It's counting down no. when the spores will mature and sprinkle all over the world. He's got a worm stick, uh, and that stick ends up in Galobulus's eye, although we don't yeah. see it. It's inferred, and it that was pretty. That was a that's a way to take out a guy. That's a cool scene. And when you when you said it when you called it a worm stick, it's exactly what it was. It was a stick with a worm. That was crawling up and, and yeah, he didn't have like the Siri remind me in one hour that the spores are going to blast. They're going to blow up over the earth. Um, yeah, they, it's a, it's an interesting scene because Globulus kind of comes out of his shell and he's got that hovering ball. Right. And again, yeah, if that was what the figure was, you could at least do something with it. Yeah. But he just had that flexible snake bottom that's like he can't stand anywhere. It's just kind of creepy. Yes. Like what if you find that in your sister's drawer, you know? <laughs> it's all smelly. Oh boy. Okay. Uh so let's move on because you're 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 going down a horrible path. Uh after the <laughs> stick to the eye, we get uh, Falcon just starts hitting buttons on the BET to yeah. overload it. Because it's like, okay, the spores are coming. We can't stop them, but can we burn them up in the atmosphere? You goddamn better believe we He's can. like, I don't know if we can or not. Fuck it. Boom, boom, beat, click, click, click. He's like the, the cat job. playing piano. He's just like, dee, dee, dee. <laughs> he hit control, alt, delete, and all that shit just burned yeah. up. Uh, and, uh, you know, then he's going to, that thing's just about to blow now. The whole thing, he's overloaded it. He's going to be the sacrifice, he'll be the martyr. Uh, but we get Sarge's motto of we all go home or nobody goes home. And fortunately, they get Falcon out of there before everything goes to shit. Um, and before the movie's over, Chad, another yeah. bit of added audio, I'm sure, where we right. learn that Duke is going to be OK. Yeah. Yo, Joe, there you have it. The 
1987 G.I. Joe movie that we got, not the one maybe we wanted, right? but we definitely got it. Your final thoughts on this animated classic. Um, I'm going to do one rebooking real quick. Okay. Uh, as I, as I enjoy doing and Duke is in a coma, right? I, I accept that he's in a coma or whatever. He's not dead yet. Okay. And they, they can use the BET to bring Duke back to life. You know, they have to, they're blasting him with energy or, you know, who knows what this thing is capable of. Uh, it could do so many other random things, cure energy crises and shit. Why not bring a guy back to life with inner pure energy? So, um, and I would, I would have that in there hanging over Falcon's head. Like if I can just kind of get back the BET undestroyed, of course, uh, we can, may have a chance of bringing Duke back to life. So that I'm going to throw that in there. Um, but having said that, I love the movie. I mean, I absolutely do. I, it's, it's such a part of my childhood and, uh, I hadn't, I haven't owned it in, in some time. I had it on VHS years ago. Um, but I hadn't watched the full thing for probably several years and I freaking still love it. it it's kind of dumb. It's, it's a cartoon. It, it's silly. The whole Cobra law portion is unnecessary to a certain extent, but it's still fun. And there's still cool characters. Pythona was still badass. Nemesis Enforcer was still cool. The, the worms and the walking sticks and all that dumb shit with the blowing jizz everywhere. I could do without that. But yeah. the movie is still badass. Like, I don't, there's no other way of putting it for me. Yeah. And, and as I said earlier, it really was kind of a tale of two movies for me where there, there was part of me that loved it. And yeah, the things you pointed out that weren't so great, that's what I did not right. like about it. And, and rewatching it now, years after last time I've seen it, it was just like, I think every time I rewatch it, some of that stuff gets more and more ridiculous in my yeah. eyes. But uh, it, for that opening alone, I would buy that DVD. I almost upgraded to the Blu-ray just for that opening because uh, right. that's, that's the stuff dreams are made of. It is. And there, um, and I've actually shown that opening to my son a couple of times over the year, over the last probably year. Um, so when it came on, he, it was funny. I was like, as soon as the opening ended, I was like, well, that's the movie. And I'd like turned it off. And he was like, wait, what, what? It said it was an hour and 30 minutes long. I'm like, all right, never mind. Let me put it back on for you. He's, a, he's too smart for you, Chad. Yeah. He's getting there. Uh, but you are kind of outsmarting him because you're putting these uh, images in his brain. And yes. now, shockingly, or not so shockingly, he wants the toys. Oh, yeah. that's And that's, I mean, that's my that whole was, plan, right? That was your master plan. It's the long con. I've been building G.I. Joe's as as a thing for, for years. So just so, you know, it, it, when you're when you become a father and you have a son, you just slowly start counting down to the time where you can introduce him to like, you know, eighties wrestling and uh, eventually the attitude era and I can buy him his own NWO shirt and things like that. So he's, he's slowly learning all these things that I loved as a kid. And then I can just relive my childhood through him, which is part of being a parent. Absolutely. And uh, we're glad you were a part of this program. Everyone listening, uh, our look back at GI Joe, the movie from 1987 Next time, Chad, we are going to be celebrating a Action Icons birthday. Not just any birthday, a milestone birthday. 75 yeah. years. Wow. Sylvester Stallone. Holy cow, that is old. And, you know, we've talked about it. Uh, you know, the Mount Rushmore of action. 
you yeah. can make a lot of debates, but it almost feels like Arnold and Sly are surefire guys who have to be on that Mount Rushmore. Yeah, 100%. And and the guy has got not just uh, a long laundry list full of uh, great action movies. He's got actually like great action series. You know, you could he's got the the Rambo first blood series. He's got Rocky series. He's got the expendable series. Like the dude has got a, a massive list of awesome action movies. So, you know, we put that poll out on our social media, trying to, to find out what of all, all our readers and listeners favorite stolen movies are. And uh, I'm looking forward to not only hearing what they are, but get, getting a chance to talk about each one. Yeah, we did. We, we threw it out there on social media, got your feedback. And if you're not following us, you you didn't have a chance to to give your have your voice heard in this Sylvester Stallone Shame. episode, but you know what? You can correct that problem and be ready for the next time we ask for your help because you can follow us on Twitter at Bulletproof Pod and on Instagram and Facebook at Bulletproof Action. Obviously, we put polls up there sometimes. We ask for feedback. But, you know, you don't have to wait for us. You can always uh, hit us up with some suggestions or ideas. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of uh, doing a poll. Which movie would you be more likely to see? Um, Ass Device, uh, Pythona and the Jizz Shooters, or The Slaughterhouse? Yeah, that would be an interesting poll. And again, you can, <laughs> that will come directly from Chad Cruz. Uh, I don't think Bulletproof Pod is going to, to go with that. But uh, that's at Chad Cruz for those of who yes, are wondering yeah, who, who want to follow uh, someone. You know, if you're a porn fan as well. <laughs> you might want to reach out there. So that's coming up on July 6th, which is actually Sylvester Stallone's 75th birthday. We will count down based on the feedback that we got from all of you. The list has been compiled, and uh, I'm excited to share it with the world on July the 6th. And Chad, I think we're about out of time for this G.I. Joe episode. Any final words for our uh, listeners? Buy a t-shirt, maybe? Buy a t-shirt, you know... If you're listening, if you're still listening to this, right, you're a pretty smart fella. Um, so get 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 the word out there. Tell your buddies, uh, because if we've learned anything from G.I. Joe, it's that knowing is half the battle. Oh, and that is a perfect way to end this episode. So thank you, Chad. Thank you for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.